All right, well, we're chipping away a few more verses out of Hebrews 12 here tonight. Looking at Esau, he is brought up in comparison. I know we spent some time looking at Esau before, some um, months ago, I guess it was. We're looking at a little bit different aspect of it here tonight. But uh, just to review a little bit, back in Hebrews 12 and verse 14, it says, Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Now as we look at this tonight, we're going to see that Esau is brought up as a comparison of a person who gave up what was eternal for what was now. It, it calls him a profane person. And I have a note in my margin, you probably have it in yours too, that the word there, profane, uh, means godless. Now we're encouraged not to become like him. So we're going to take a look at what he did here to be called a profane person. And in particular, the birthright and the blessing. So I did some research looking up uh, some of the information from our Jewish brethren as to what happens with the birthright and the blessing. How are they different? What is the, the difference between the two? And so we'll we'll go over some of those things here. But here he says... Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. So we've talked about that before. We've got to pursue peace with all people. There should not be anybody on our list we don't pursue peace with. You pursue as much as, uh, as we saw in the, I think it was this Sunday, as much as depends on you, live at peace with people. Don't be part of the problem. Don't let your emotions get involved there. Looking careful lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. So we see here that there is a falling short of the grace of God. He says, look carefully, lest anyone falls short of the grace of God. And if we're going to fall short of the grace of God, we discussed, I think, a little bit last time that we tend not to give grace. If I don't give grace, I don't get grace. If I don't give mercy, I don't get mercy. If I don't give forgiveness, my forgiveness can be revoked. We've seen that in the Word of God before. So we've got to make sure that we give grace, that we give mercy, and we give forgiveness at all times. Don't let anyone become to a place that if they ask for forgiveness, we wouldn't extend it. If they need mercy, that we wouldn't give it to them. Because basically, I'm signing my own warrant on that one. And we don't want to do that. So look carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up, cause trouble. We fall into bitterness. We're falling away from that grace. We're not giving them the grace that we need to give. Lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble. It will cause trouble. cause trouble for you. And by this many become defiled. We don't want to become defiled. But we can become that way. So those were some of the things we looked at last time. And it has a, you know, a kind of a continuation on where we're going here. So we wanted to make sure we reviewed those, those verses. Here in verse 16. He said, lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. So he's likened to a fornicator, but all the times we had verses on him, he's not described as one. He's not told about, you know, he's not like Samson. Samson was out there womanizing with all the, all the different people. And he's never described as that. He is described as taking on two wives who were Hittites. And he displeased his parents with that. But 
we have no description that he was he was out there running around with women. He may have had two wives, and sure, sure that the word of God frowns on that sort of thing. But um, but so did Abraham. He uh, he had multiple wives. So did uh, so did his brother. He had multiple wives, and well, not his brother, but um, but others in the in the family. They had there were there were multiple wives. No one, no Jacob's. Sorry, his brother did have have them as his father. I was thinking of. his father stayed with one. weren't too many good things his father did, but that was one of them. He stayed with one woman. So it says that uh, Esau is like a fornicator. Now in Genesis twenty six verse thirty four, when Esau was forty years old, he took his as wives Judith, the daughter of Bere, the Hittite, and Basemath. The, the daughter of Elon. Now, Judith, we know that name pretty well. I've never heard anybody called Basemith. Not really sure what that, um, where that name has, uh, it's been copied at all. The daughter of Elon, the Hittite. And they were a grief of mind to Isaac and Rebekah. So both of them didn't like this. Now, either he did it to get at them, or he just did it and found out afterwards that they, they didn't like it. But they made sure that for uh, Jacob, they sent him back home. You know, go back home, get a wife. We want you to have a, a godly wife. So he sent him back home to, to go take care of that. In verse 29 of chapter 25 in Genesis, Now Jacob cooked a stew, and Esau came in from the field, and he was weary. And Esau said to Jacob, Please feed me with that same red stew, for I am weary. Therefore his name was called Edom. But Jacob said, Sell me your birthright as of this day. And Esau said, Look, I am about to die. So what is this birthright to me? Then Jacob said, Swear to me as of this day. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew and lentils. And he ate and drank and rose and went his way. Then Esau despised, or thus Esau, Esau despised his birthright. So this is something the Word of God talks about. Now God knew he was capable of this. And before they even came out of the womb... God loved Jacob, hated Esau. And this was a big event. This was uh, was something very important to God. Now we had two things that had gone on here with, with Esau. We had the birthright, which was here, and then we had the blessing. And so, you know, this this is a Jewish thing. And I'm not a Jewish boy. So I'm not real up on this. So I did a whole lot of reading. I read as many articles that I get a hold of to find out the difference. Some of them, uh, it was just ridiculous even reading it. And I, I sat, sat there and read it and said, man, that's a waste of time. Didn't tell me anything more that I didn't already know. So I kept on reading, kept on trying to find some other things, what was going on here and what was what was happening with this to find out what is the difference from the Jewish mind between the, the birthright and the blessing. Because there are two different events. He sold to him the the, uh, the birthright, and apparently it was well known, because when Esau comes into his father and talks about the the blessing, and he says, "No, Jacob already got that." He says, "Oh, now he's done this. He's two times to me. First, he gets the birthright. Now he got the blessing. So it was already known that Jacob had the birthright. They didn't keep it secret. Of course, Jacob wouldn't want to keep it secret, but the family knew about it. So." So his father knows that Jacob has the birthright, but he still gives the blessing 
or desires to give the blessing to Esau. So they're two separate events. I needed to find out some things about this. In verse uh, 36 of Genesis chapter 27, Esau said, Is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright, and now look, he has taken away my blessings. And he said, Have you not reserved a blessing for me? And we covered that scripture before. But uh, this thing was was not a secret. So they're not the same thing. They are different. In the minds of the Jewish people, they are different. put in your outline, I believe that there is something different when someone casts aside what they know from the word to do what they want. Esau knew the birthright was important, but he decided to cast it aside. He did not take the importance of it the way that the word of God had. There was something spiritual about this. Now, he didn't feel the need to cover this up and neither did most people. Most people, it seems, that have this same attitude, when they cast aside something of the, when they get into a place where they despise, because that's what the Word of God says about it, He despised the birthright. So when you get into a place where you despise these things, you're not trying to cover it up. If you, if you just disobeyed, you would generally try and cover that up. When, um, when David had the thing with Bathsheba go on, He disobeyed the word of God, but he tried to cover it up. He didn't despise the things of God. He saw that that was, that was good and he didn't measure up to it. So he tried to cover it up. This, there's a, we may say, well, covering up isn't all that necessarily good, but it does show a heart that says, oh, I did wrong. (laughs) That at least shows that much. But when you get into this place where you despise it, you're not saying I did wrong. You're, you're saying I'm right. The word of God is wrong. I'm right in considering this is not important. The word of God is, is, uh, is wrong on this. So that's why I wanted to spend some time reading on this. Find out what's going on between the blessing and what's going on with the birthright. So they'll proclaim it outright. I put this in your outline. Only blanks you got in there. The, the first here is disobeying the things of the Lord. When someone, uh, when someone, uh, disobeys God and they want to cover it up, they're just disobeying the things of God, but when they get to a place where uh, I don't longer want to cover it up, they're despising the things of the Lord. So there's a difference between disobeying and despising. When we get into a place of dis, uh, despising, there's no remorse. I don't feel sorry for that. We'll see some of that with Saul. When Saul, Saul despised some of the things of God, and there was no remorse when Saul was confronted by Samuel. He said, what is this bleeding of sheep that I hear? Oh, well, you know, we, we kept this. We, we did this. He despised what God said. And by despise, you consider your viewpoint on it, your wisdom on it, higher than God's. And so that's why he didn't even feel like he had a need to cover it up. So Esau is in among those people that despise the things of God. Jacob was in a place where he disobeyed the things of God. Neither one is great. You shouldn't be neither one. <laughs> I want to give you a, a so, you know, if you're going to do anything, go the, the best thing is to obey God. There's nothing better. That's the best thing to do. If God calls it sin, stay out of it. 
But if you're going to disobey, don't get into a place of despising the things of God. And this is what we'll we'll see sometime. So there's two dis, dis, um, I'm not sure what I was trying to write in there. But there are two distinct aspects to the inheritance which was uh, Isaac's to pass on. There's two distinct ones. I should have written that. I don't know what I was trying to write in there. There is the birthright. Now, I couldn't write all this stuff down in your outline. There was just plain simply no room. There is the birthright. And I guess this is Hebrew because this is what they put in there. Uh, they, they put the name Bechorah, B-E-C-H-O-R-A, the birthright, which related to the leadership of the family and its mission of communicating ethical monotheism to the world. That is the birthright. The birthright had to do with spiritual direction, whereas the blessings had to do with material superiority. So the blessings, I should have read this first, I'm sorry. The, the blessings, which uh, they put a note here, Berashot, B-E-R-A-C-H-O-T, which related to the eldest son's double portion of land and property. Now, the second fell to the bearer of the first so as to finance its demands. So there is the birthright and there is the blessing. Now, to give you a little bit of example in the Word of God that you may be more familiar with, when Jacob had the twelve sons, the, the first one was not the tribe of ruler of rulership. The tribe of rulership in the nation of Israel is who? Judah, who is the fourth born. There were others who came before. Simeon, Levi, and I forget the third. Um, each of which were disqualified. And there's different things that they had done that disqualified them from being there. So when he gave the blessings on them, he disqualified the first three and then bestowed the rulership blessing upon uh, Judah. And the rulership tribe came to, came to Judah. So the oldest was generally given the birthright and they were given rulership of the family. So however many sons that you had, and it fell to sons, it didn't fall to daughters, it fell to sons. However many sons that you had, the oldest one is where that birthright would fall. But there were certain indications in Scripture where it didn't always come to the first one. And that right of rulership was, was passed down. David had a couple of sons, but the right of rulership went to Solomon. He was not the first firstborn. I believe, uh, again, he was um, fourth in line. The two had uh, had been killed, and um, uh, Adonijah was uh, disqualified, but they, it fell to him. Now, the double portion, and we we hear a lot of things that are spoken about with double portion. We've talked about it here. You probably all still remember, but just go over real, again real quick. Double portion is not that um, is, is not quite the double part that everybody thinks it is. If you have an inheritance and you had 12 sons, you would divide the inheritance into 12 portions. Except the Jewish people would divide it into 13. And so the one son would get a double portion. And that's and that would come along to finance the rulership because he was given rulership of the family. And so if something had gone on with the family, that double portion was there to help finance whatever was going on. So generally, the blessing came upon, or the double portion came upon those who had the, uh, the rulership. When we get to the case with Esau and Jacob, 
the Father is trying to separate these two things. He is trying to, all right, the birthright goes to Jacob. But he wants the blessing, the double portion, to go to his son Esau. He already knows he's got the birthright. But he's trying to pass on the, the blessing. So I was doing some reading on this. Why would, why would he have this viewpoint? Why does he want to give the blessing to, to one when typically the blessing went to the one who had the rulership of the family? So in, in this particular case, you would take the, the uh, inheritance of the family and divide it into three parts in which Jacob, having the birthright, would get two parts and Esau would get one. This is how that, that should should work out. But they want to put all the blessing, the double portion blessing upon Esau. So he's not trying to circumvent the birthright. Sometimes it's, it's kind of easy to, to fall into to think about that. But that's not it. So again, the birthright, it relates to the leadership of the family and its mission. And the blessing was the double portion of the land and, the, and, the, and, and so forth. So when you look at the family here of Jacob and Esau, the father looks at this and he says, all right, maybe I can see that the birthright, carrying on the mission that God has for this family, carrying on that mission would fall better into the hands of Jacob, who, because of the, the different personalities were there, I could, he could probably see, all right, that's probably better for him to have that, and he's not fighting him getting that. But he's looking at Esau and he says, Esau handles the finances better. He handles the, the field better. He's going to be doing a better job with that. And so if I want to put the family fortune into someone's hand, I'd rather put it into Esau's hand because Esau is going to be able to keep that in a place of continuing to prosper. In his father's eyes, that's how he saw it. Now, we're not given a whole lot of what had gone on between uh, Rebecca and her husband. In regards to this uh, this part, but Isaac was pretty strong. weren't too many things we saw Isaac strong about, but this is one of the things he was seen to be strong about that Esau was going to get this blessing. Now Rebecca knew from the beginning that God had a different way of viewing these these two, and she probably was talking to Isaac about that the whole way, but he's not receiving it. He's uh, he's 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 fighting this thing, and we've talked about the character of Esau. And some of the things that had gone on with him, and we went over this before, and he was not the greatest character, and he hid a lot of things from his parents, and he seemed to be uh, two-faced in, in some areas. And once this uh, blessing was put upon Jacob, everything came out. He didn't have to hide it anymore. And so the anger, I'm going to kill him, all this sort of stuff came out. But his father still wouldn't have put this blessing on. Rebecca probably came and talked to him about it and said, look, God does not want this. God has already rejected Esau. You keep looking at something that's not there. You're rejecting the things of God. And he kept, I guess, rejecting those words. And so that's when she put the plan into, into uh, action to deceive him and to get this accomplished. But more than likely, Rebecca had tried to talk to him and to bring him around to God's way. Now, again, we don't have to justify this. God had a way of getting this thing done. But Rebecca did this for whatever reason. So, it's, it's important for us to understand this in order to get what this verses of Scripture are, are talking about. So the birthright was Jacob's. 
And this was understood by everybody. It was something that was more spiritual than physical. The blessing was something physical. So as far as Esau is concerned, something that was spiritual, he despised. But something that was physical, he cherished. And that's the, that's what he's trying to get you to, to see in this. The birthright is spiritual. The birthright has to do with more with, with God, with the purpose, with the family. There's something spiritual to the birthright. But the blessing, this is physical. This is money. This is prosperity. This is good stuff coming to you. He liked that. Esau's all, all about the physical part. I want to get that. But the, the other, he'd sold it for a, you know, a little bit of stew. And he came on back, you know, he was famished. How many of you have ever been coming from something you're just famished? I mean, it doesn't have to be out there hunting like he was. Sometimes you can just be from a day of shopping. You had to be out shopping, getting some stuff, and you came in, boy, you just were hungry. And there's no rhyme or reason to it. Sometimes we just come in and we're hungry. And other times we come in and, well, not so hungry. But this is one of those days where he was hungry. And just the timing of it, Jacob happened to be making some food. And he came on in. Maybe he smelled it cooking outside. You ever had that? Smelled something cooking outside? Boy, I'll tell you what, I know I've had that sometimes when I was running around neighborhoods and stuff. And, um, you know, especially if you're out at dinner time, people are cooking. Oh, you can smell it. Oh, I can smell it. You know, I'm miles away from home. <laughs> there, there is no hope of getting home anytime sooner because I'm miles away from home and I start smelling this, this cooking. Oh man. I mean, it could be something as simple as hamburgers. And, but, but you can smell them. And for some reason, you know, you're just hungry. Man, it's just hitting you. You just want to go up there and knock on the door and say, can you spare one? <laughs> and then, once that happens, you start thinking about food. Oh, I wonder if we have any of this at over home. Oh, maybe we can get some of this. And it's even worse when somebody's cooking something like steak. Then you can just smell that uh, that coming up. Oh, man, I tell you what, it just gets you. Now, there are some days it doesn't bother you at all. But there are some days, boy, it can just get you. And you come on home and you are more famished and you just want to eat something. I've never gotten to the point that asparagus sounded good, but there are some, some things that some things might sound better than they would have otherwise. So you, um, this is how he came home. He just was famished. Now more than likely he ate a breakfast that morning. He's not dying. But to him he's dying. Yeah. What good is that birthright going to be to me? I'm going to die if I don't eat right now. Well, that certainly is an over-exaggeration. He's not going to die. And I heard one person talk about it before. He says, uh, Mama's house is just around the corner. <laughs> yeah. There's no son shows up at Mama's house. He's that hungry. She's, not, she's going to feed him. She's going to find something to feed him. He could have just gone over there. She would have done it for nothing. <laughs> but Jacob's not that way. He's going to charge him. And so he agrees to it because he despised it. He didn't see it as valuable. He's traded something that's not valuable for something that at the time was. And so God looks at that and says, you're taking something that has more spiritual value 
and trading it for something that is natural. But now when you come to the place of something natural, you're all about it. I got to have it. They're supposed to be tied together. The blessing is supposed to be tied together with the birthright because one helps empower the other thing being done. But here we're trying to separate it. Now, not all physical things have a spiritual root, but when they do, it is often rejected by those that are considered to be profane, those that are godless. I gave you a story here in Luke chapter 5. You all know this story. Now, it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there was Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who would come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Then, behold, men brought on a, on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. And when they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and let him down with his bed through the, the tiling into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said to, the, to him, Man, your sins are forgiven you. Now, he came in for something what? Physical. And Jesus speaks to something spiritual. He sees there's a spiritual thing behind this. Not always is that the case with sickness and disease, paralysis or things like that. That's not always the case. But this is one of those cases where he saw something spiritual behind it. And so he deals with that first. Your sins are forgiven you. The scribes and the Pharisees began to reason saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sin but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say your sins are forgiven you or to say rise, rise up and walk. Now notice he doesn't say which is harder. I heard somebody say that some time ago. He says which is easier. To Jesus they're both easy. (laughs) To us we look at which one's harder. But Jesus doesn't look at it that way. He says which one's easier to say your sins are forgiven you or to say rise up and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins or to do things in the area of the spiritual. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, take up your bed and go to your house. Immediately he rose up before them, took up what he had been lying on and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed, glorified God, were filled with fear, saying, we have seen strange things today. So here we see in this story that the leaders... We're watching. They were, they came and they were enthusiastic about Jesus being there. And the Spirit of God was present to heal. Of course, the Word of God said it was present to heal them. But only Him got healed. But they came into this, into this room. And as soon as Jesus said something that addressed the spiritual need, they had a problem. Which means they shut down on receiving the other. Which is probably why no one else got healed. So Jesus dealt with the spiritual first, then he dealt with the physical. There's another story, we're not going to read it, but Jesus had 5,000 men who were in a group and he fed them. These 5,000 men, their wives and their kids had come out and they were hearing the word of God. They came after something spiritual. And then Jesus, after they came out for something spiritual, he said they're, they're hungry, we can't just send them away to, um, to go home, they may not make the trip. So uh, let's give them something to eat. So then he was going to take care of the physical. But now that after after he does that, now they want to follow him. 
Now they want to follow him around. They don't want to go home. And Jesus said, well, you want to do that because the physical, not the spiritual. They initially came for the spiritual. But once the physical manifested itself, now we just want to come for the physical. We'll listen to the word. That's fine. But uh, just keep feeding us. This is good. And Jesus says, no. No, when you come out here and you're seeking the physical instead of the spiritual, uh, I don't want to feed you now. And he sends them home. See, this is the attitude that, that, that Esau has. I want what is in the physical. I don't care about what's going on in the spiritual. Now, initially, this crowd of 5,000, they cared about what was spiritual. But then when they got something, a taste of something physical, now they suddenly want to, they want to do that. They just want to receive these particular kind of things. So, there are things that we have that delight our flesh. And once we get that delight that comes in, well, we kind of, kind of want to stay with it. You know, I, I like this. And we, you can see some of this even as we're growing up. When we're little and we're going to school and all of a sudden we found out, oh, if I don't feel well on a particular day, mom and dad will let me stay home, stay in bed, watch TV, and they'll even bring food up to my room. And this is all right. And so um, why in the world do I want to go out to school <laughs> when I can stay home and people will make food for me, lay around in bed? And so the, after we learn that, then we, we want to come up with ways Stay home because my flesh has been delighted and I want to, want to pursue those things. See, there are the things that will delight our flesh and this happens to some Christians and we have to be careful because we've got to continue to, to pursue the things of the Spirit. We talked about uh, some of these issues before so we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on them but we have these these delights of the flesh, the things that gain the approval of men. And some issues that we have today, some views of the truth, some views of God, idolatry. We gain the approval of men. We look at the, the thing of global warming, and some people just like to go along with it. Well, I'll just go along with it, because if I do, then, um, you know, people people like me more. I don't get the the abuse. But God's Word clearly shows that global warming people are, are full of soup. Because we've read the end of the book. And people are still here. I like how one person put it. He said, when you read the very end of the book, you find out there is not global warming going on. It's global melting. God's going to melt this place and rebuild it all. So there is no global warming happening. There's going to be a global melting. He's going to melt it all down stutter all over again. But none of the things that the global warming people predict are in the Bible. The Bible talks about people being here when Christ comes and then Him bringing in judgment. So if I go along with people and what they want to say global warming is just to, to get along and be nice and, and enjoy the benefits of people liking me, I'm forsaking the Word of God. We shouldn't be doing it. Now, I don't mean to say, you know, that any, uh, any things for recycling or, or, you know, cleaning up after yourself or any of that kind of stuff is wrong. Clean up after yourself. It's a good idea. 
but don't be in this fear that uh, things are going to die. I heard, heard somebody talking about, what was it, the, the Chinese? They have uh, seeds that sprouted on the dark side of the moon. And it got people excited. I don't know why it's so exciting. If you can get seeds to sprout on the dark side of the moon, why not grow them on the light side of the moon? It makes more sense to me. You get a little bit easier time. And so then people, all of a sudden, they're thinking, oh, now we have a place to go. When this world melts down and it gets too too hot, people want to go to Mars because they think they'll have a better place. we got to figure out how to colonize Mars and so forth. And I'm thinking, what you're talking about is a couple of degrees difference in the temperature and you're going to go to a planet that has a whole lot of degrees difference and then that's going to be better. And there's no atmosphere there, but it's going to be better. I don't understand how people think on this sometimes. It's just kind of ridiculous to me. But anyway, that's stuff like that. Uh, you got causes of, of things like the, they, they make them causes of women, like abortion. It's not just a woman's cause, but that's what they try and make it as, the right of the woman. And you have churches that have adopted these things and are, are not standing up for uh, the rights of the baby and going against abortion. We've seen, you know, uh, I think one of the strongest churches on this in the times past, not so much recently, but in times past, the Catholic Church has been one of the strongest ones on this, uh, at fighting it and lobbying it and doing things, you know, on a, on a political side, not just in their belief. And still many in the Catholic Church hold to it and believe very, very strongly on the, on the, on the life issue. But you see some of the, the bigger leaders giving in on this thing and not standing for it quite as strong as they used to. And uh, it's kind of shocked some people. But those kind of things are, are going on and others will be, be uh, following suit because they want, they want the, the delights of the flesh. I want people to like us. And so we go along with some of these things. We got people who adopt causes of race, but God doesn't pick up some of these things. We got people who go against authority, but God says pray for those in our authority. You got people, they're supposed to be Christians, you know, they talk about this per- political person ought to die. Well, that's not right. I don't care if you agree with them, but they're doing things against the church or whatever it is. We, uh, the Word of God says pray for them. So that's what we ought to do. And anything other than that, we're giving into a delight of our own flesh. Because I don't like this one. We embrace sin that God said to flee. We, we, we rebel when God says to submit. See, these are delights of our flesh. The reason I rebel is because there's something I want. Something I want to do. There's a cause I think is important. And I want to fight for that cause. Regardless of what the Word of God tells me. Regardless of how the Word of God says I ought to go. Absalom fell into this. And he rebelled against David. And people died. A lot of people died in that rebellion. Because one man said, I don't like how it's going on. I don't think David did right by my sister. I don't think he, he, he should have judged my brother more. He should have done something. And he didn't, um, he didn't do that. And so we become, we become rebellious on some of this. But it's really just the delight of the flesh. There's something in my flesh. And, it, and folks, this is what Esau did. He despised what was spiritual for something that was natural. And if we despise what is in the Word of God, 
because I like this doctrine, I like this cause, I like this particular thing, and I go against what the Word of God has to say, then, you know, we have, we have issues with it. We have, we have some trouble. We've had people in church, had people in this church, other churches I've been at, and, and sometimes they've just been disobedient to the things of God. Well, when they're disobedient to the things of God, you, you deal with them in, in ways that they're disobedient to the things of God. But when they're out there and they despise the things of God, it's a different matter. And despising is when you, I, when you just bring it out. I'm not trying to hide this at all. I am doing this and it's against God and it's against the Word of God, but I've justified how I can do it. I've justified why I'm going to do it. And, you know, you, you can't do the same thing. You can't handle them the same way. And God doesn't either. God did not deal with Esau the way he dealt with Jacob. But you look at Jacob. Jacob was a deceiver. He did things that were wrong. But you see, he was disobedient on things. He kept going after his own way. But he'd repent. But Esau, he despised the things of God. So we've got to be careful that in all the things we get excited about, that we don't despise the things of God. Because we can end up being on the side of Esau instead of on the side of Jacob. And that's where God puts them on two sides. All right. This one, I hate that one. That's what God said. Esau, yeah, I hate that one. Jacob, that one I love. Hate this one, love this one. The difference is between the two, one despises the things of God that were spiritual. Loved the blessings that were natural. But the other one loved the things that were spiritual. And when he had an opportunity, then his brother came in and he was famished. This is on Jacob's mind because this is spiritual. But this is valuable. This is something of great value. Boy, I'll tell you, I wish I was the firstborn. Oh, I wish I was the first. I wish I had that coming down to me because that is valuable. And he probably had some conversations. This is probably not the first time. He probably had some conversations with his brother along these lines and found out that his brother, ah, what's the birthright? The blessings, that's what you want. You want the blessings. They probably had this conversation. This probably wasn't a new, a new thing that came out. This is probably things that they talked about. And he found out he, he values the blessing, but not the birthright. I'll bet you he'd give it up if I could find something he wanted better. That had to go on in his mind. Because as soon as he comes in, the first thing that Jacob thinks about is, give me your birthright. Because he's been looking for an opportunity. Because he saw the things that were spiritual and he counted them as worth, as worthwhile. And that's what God wants us to do, folks. He wants us to see those things that are spiritual and count them as more valuable than the things that are natural. Now look at this. For you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. Let's go over there and take a look at this. In uh, verse 33 of Genesis 27, Then Isaac trembled exceedingly and said, Who? Where is the one who hunted game and brought it to me? I ate all of it before you came. 
and I have blessed him, and indeed he shall be blessed. When Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me now, or bless me also, O my father. But he said, Your brother came with deceit and has taken away your blessing. And Esau said, Is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright, and now look, he has taken away my blessing. And he said, Have you not reserved a blessing for me? And Isaac answered and said to Esau, Indeed, I have made him your master. And all brethren, all his brethren, I have given to him as his servants. With grain and wine, I have sustained him. What shall I do now for you, my son? And Esau said to his father, Have you only one blessing, my father? Bless me, me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Then Isaac, his father, answered and said to him, Behold, your dwelling shall be of the fatness of the earth and of the dew of heaven from above. By your sword you shall live and you shall serve your brother. And it shall come to pass when you become restless that you shall break his yoke from your neck. So Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, The days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. He wept with tears. He, Oh, he wanted this. You see, God wanted him to be weeping with tears over the spiritual sp- stuff, not just the physical. You'll get this with people. People will do the same thing. See, it says that there was no place for repentance for this guy. He sought it with tears, but there was no place for it. I had this note. Couldn't fit it in your outline or I would have written it in there for you. It is the profane man's disposition to desire the blessing, yet despise the means by which the blessing is gained. It is the profane man's disposition to desire the blessing, yet despise the means by which blessing is gained. That's the profane man. You see, here's the Here's the blessing of God. This is what you got to do to obtain it. Oh, no, I don't want to obtain it that way. I'm going to go and do this. I'm going to go in this particular direction. See, that's the godless person. Well, it doesn't matter what God you serve. Well, it doesn't matter how you approach God. Now, see, the context here is talking about what is satisfying in the flesh, suffering. We talk about that here in, in this section of the Hebrews, the suffering, the discipline, the conforming to the law for what is lasting in the spirit. He says, don't conform to the law. Don't go back to the law. Don't give in because of the suffering that is going on because of this. Don't don't forsake all this because of the discipline that God comes. Because when God disciplines you, it's because he loves you. Don't get discouraged by it. I had this note too. It's a quote I, I copied from somewhere. I'm not sure where. I didn't write that part of it down. But falling away from Christ is the fruit of preferring the delights of the flesh to the blessing of God. Falling away from Christ is the fruit of preferring the delights of the flesh to the blessing of God and the heavenly inheritance as Esau did. So this is how people fall away from Christ. And a lot of them still go to church. You can have a lot of people who fall away from Christ still go to church, but they've fallen away. They don't realize it. Because they want something, they see something, and they've pursued it. 
I know God says that I shouldn't do this, but I'm going to anyway. I know God says that I shouldn't have this, but I'm going to have it anyway. Now, we may not suffer the same opposition that they were suffering. We may not have the same opposition to get to, to go back into the law that Hebrews was. But there are things that we're facing. That the enemy wants you to replace what is spiritual for what is flesh. That battle is going on. And we can see this with, with people. How many times do you see folks that have replaced faith with pleading with God. You see, that's that's something that's of the flesh. My flesh wants to plead with, Oh God, please do this. Oh God, please heal me. Please heal me. Oh God, I've been faithful. Oh God, I've been diligent. Oh God, I've been this. Oh God, please heal me. But that's not what, what God said to do. We're here to pray to God instead of speaking to things. Jesus gave us a demonstration of speaking to things. He said, save this mountain. He spoke to fevers. He spoke to spirits. He spoke to sickness and disease. The centurion came to him and said, just say the word and my, my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority. I say this one go and he goes and this one come and he comes. So he knew that Jesus just had to say, go to whatever it was that was affecting this one and it would go. But now, will you all pray with me that I would be healed of this instead of speaking to it? The Word of God says, is any among you sick? And tells us some things to do. And those are the things we need to do. Get hands laid on you. Speak to that thing change it. But if we don't want to do that, we'd rather do what appeals to our flesh. So the, the enemy just comes along. He just feeds this thing that appeal to our flesh. You know, just, just pray this way. And it's hard to get people that are under the impression that you pray to God to get healed. It is, it's hard to talk to them about anything else. You try and bring in what the, well, this is what the Word says. Can you find a single time where Jesus prayed to God to heal anyone? Can you find one time that happened in the Word of God? Can you find any time that Paul prayed to God to heal someone? No, they spoke to the sickness and disease. They spoke to the paralysis. They spoke to the demon spirit. They spoke to it. And you can go through the Word of God and tell and show them. Show me in the Word of God where it's sitting. Well, I don't care. That's how it is. That's it. That's what I think ought to be done. And see, we've replaced something that's not spiritual, something that's physical. We love it, but we despise the thing that's spiritual. We've got to make sure that we don't do it. Now, we, we pick up these topics and, and most of us will say yes and amen because we understand that real, real strong. But there's other things that can come in and we've accepted something physical instead of something spiritual. There's a lot of Christians who accept suffering as being from God instead of checking out where the source of the suffering came from. We have mistaken what we desire for what we need and begin to give up what is eternal for it. And this is what we have to make sure we don't do. You see, that the enemy is going to try and get us to get sold on the need. You need this bowl 
of lentil stew, whatever kind of stew it was, red stew. You need it. You need, with everything in you, you need this now. If you don't get this now, you are going to die. Get it. Sacrifice all things to get it. We can be made willing to sacrifice all things to get it. I have to come into an understanding of what things are spiritual and what things are physical. Because God loves those who pursue the spiritual at all costs and forsake the things that are physical. But those people who love the things that are physical above those things that are spiritual, this isn't right. There are some Christians that are out there they get under your skin. And we'd rather exchange what is spiritual for what is physical. Instead of being called in to try and mentor and to try and help and to bear with the weaknesses of others and all the things that the Scripture says about that, what do we say? Well, we just don't get along. Well, I just don't like what they're doing. And we come up with all kinds of reasons why, why we shouldn't do it. Don't do it. Don't substitute. Don't let that go. Don't become like an Esau who gave away what was spiritual for what was, what was physical. Now, the physical stuff's good. How many of y'all know walking healed is good? Having some money is good. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. But don't give that up for the spiritual. Just, just don't give it up. Sometimes the devil will come in and say, you know, well, you, um, you, you got this, uh, blessing that was here because they didn't, uh, the grocery store didn't charge you for something. And what a blessing that was. God is just offering, no, 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 that's not how God does it. You go out there and you, you, you take care of it. Make sure that you straighten it out. Because it's important. Don't don't settle. Don't mistake what we desire for what we need. And the enemy's going to try and sell you on this. He's going to try and get you what you desire is what you need. I may desire some food right now, but I'm not going to die if I don't get it. Don't turn a desire into a need. Don't let the enemy do that. Because once he turns your desire into a need, You'll give away a lot of things to get it. Sometimes we say, I need this. Well, you don't really need it. You want it. But if we keep saying, I need this, I need this, eventually it becomes into, I need God to do this. You ever said that? Don't raise your hand. (laughs) I need God to do this. Oh, man. Are we in trouble when we start saying stuff like that? Don't, don't be doing it. There's a desire I have, but many times my desires are not my needs. And just like Esau, he desired to eat something right then. <clears throat> but the enemy was able to turn it into a dire need for which he gave us something very great, very costly for something that was very cheap. And in the end, he saw, oh, I gave it up and now I lost the blessing. 
Oh, and he wept. Oh, he wept. There was no place found for him to get it. You'll find this with some people that they gave away what was spiritual. Take on what was natural. Because they had a love for that natural thing. And in the end, they felt bad. They had remorse and there was even tears. But there was not the way back that they had before. This is where Esau was. What's interesting is God puts Esau, calls him a profane person. Here for these Israelites, he's saying he's comparing. He said, if you go back to the law, you're like Esau. And what do you think their response was? Ew. We're like Esau. Oh. No, we can't be. Yeah, you're like Esau. Don't don't be like that. Don't go out this way. There are things you desire. And some of those things, there's nothing wrong with you desiring it. But don't turn it into a need. And understand what is spiritual. Understand what is of great value to God. And those things that are of great value to God, you treat with great value because your God treats it with great value. And you can be a person like Jacob, who though he was a deceiver, and though he practiced deception, and he reaped it too, still God loved him. Why? Because he took the things that God said, these are important. And he said, I see them as important too. If I can have the same values that God has, and what God says is important, are important to me. Most of the times we have problems with other people, whether it be in the church or wherever it might be. It's because we value something that's more valuable than God does. And if I would let go of what I am calling valuable and pick up what God says is valuable, then those people that I look at and I despise, I can look at with the heart of God. Because most of us, if we met Jacob, we would say he ought to be kicked out of the church. Keeps lying to people, deceiving people. This guy's no good. But God says, uh uh, that's the one I like. Because he knew what was valuable. Father, I pray that the things that you see as valuable, that we see as valuable. That we study your word with the purpose of finding out what does God see as important? What does he see as valuable? How does he see this? And whatever it is that we see, We take on the value of that. The example we have of Jesus is that he saw the things of God so valuable that whatever it was that his father said is what he said. Whatever it was he saw his father do is what he did. If he didn't see his father do it, he didn't consider it valuable enough to do it himself. If he didn't see his father say it, he didn't consider it valuable enough to say it himself. That's how we need to get Father, we want to get to that place where the only thing of value that we see are those things that you see as valuable. The enemy is constantly distracting us with false value. Telling us that this thing is worth so much and it's not. 
we're falling in the same place of Esau and considering a mere bowl of stew is more valuable than even a birthright. Thank you, Father, that as we study the Word, that we can look at it and understand what is important, what is valuable, and what things will change our life. Give you the praise and the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen.